Dude, I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks for coming, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Heck yeah, dude. Um, I have a lot of questions. Uh, But before we get into the questions, let's do like, can you give a quick overview of who you are? Well, let me, I'll I'll start. So like you won Alone UK. So Alone UK edition. That's right. Right. And you, when did you actually do it? It was... 12 months ago now okay. uh, that I was out there. Okay. So you you were out there 12 months ago and it just aired like the final episode aired two, a month ago? No, no, no. Just Sunday. It literally just came out. So I've been Did sitting it? on the secret for, oh for, for 11 months. Wow. <clears throat> and I highly recommend, I don't know, I watched it on Channel 4. It's That's like, right. Is that where you, the place to watch it? Mm-hmm. Channel 4. Okay. So that's where I watch it. If you want to watch it, go to Channel 4, turn on your VPN so that you're in the UK. Hopefully it'll make it onto Netflix or there's rumors of it being in the US. I can't remember which channel. Okay. At some point. It'll be exported. It will be? Yeah. Maybe in like six months or something. Okay. Dude, so I have a ton of questions because you won. How long were you out there? 35 days. 35 days. Not as long as I expected. Like the... What did you expect? Well, I'm an avid fan of the American show. Like I've watched it for the last seven years. I love it. Okay. And uh, the shortest American show has ever been is is 65 days. And so like in my mind, I was going to be out there for like that long. And I thought I was halfway through the journey and suddenly they said, turn on your sat phone. And I was like, oh my God, what's happened to my family? I thought something really bad had happened. When they called? Yeah, and they told me oh, I'd won. No. And so I was relieved that nothing had happened to my family. Um, but And obviously elated that I just won this and won the prize money and stuff. But then I was also like, man, I really, it's a long journey to, to kind of get to the edge of your comfort zone. And I really wanted to push on to, to see this place kind of carpeted in, in snow. And uh, I really wanted to actually like really find out my limits. And uh, How far out were you from it snowing? Well, like on that, <clears throat> ten days after we came came out of the wilderness, it was minus twenty two and snowing. So we had minus eight when I was there. But the yeah, it was. I mean, it was about to get punishingly much harder. Wow, um, the the Maybe river that... was freezing and <laughs> dude, watching it. So I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched episode one and two, and then I just went to episode six. <laughs> I recommend like, I see more Tom. Yeah, so <laughs> that, someone tweeted this rather nice tweet, which is. Um, basically saying that I was distressingly normal and a cheerful chap does not make for good TV. And so they they didn't really include me too much in the first four episodes because um, they wanted to make it quite dramatic. And I was genuinely just smiling and having a lovely time out there. It was hard at times. <laughs> I'm not like not trying to like paint over it, but it was and it was about to get really hard. But um, that was the vibe. So like I watched it and that was the vibe I got mm-hmm. um, when I was watching it because you see these other people and they're having... I mean, and I, like, t- to be clear, they're much tougher than I am. <laughs> so I'm not making fun of them. But they're like having mental breakdowns. I mean, like the way they're talking, you, you can hear in their voice, like they are literally starving to death. Like they're dying, <laughs> right? And like, there's one lady, um, did you watch the whole season? Of to course. See? Of course, okay. So like, there's one lady who's like, trying to convince herself to call. And as a watcher, I'm like, you need to call because <laughs> you don't look good. But she's like, I'm like, we're, I was like, man, if she just, I don't know, like talked herself not into calling, she might die out there. 
Yeah, she. Uh, you're talking about Elise who came. I second. believe so. Yeah, and yes. She correct, was yeah. genuinely like because I saw her in the hotel. We had we. You have a refeeding program afterwards for a week, and she was skin and bones, and uh, she was yeah, she was in a stage of starvation, and wow. she she said like I understand now what heroin addicts must be feeling when they're clucking and and desperate for heroin. Like the obsession, the consumption of her mind for food was like nothing she'd ever experienced. She was unreal. She, you know, like we 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 go. Oh, I'm hungry. But that's like the first stage of hunger. That's just like you don't have sugar, like your blood sugar's out and you're like, I need a cookie. That's the first stage exactly. of hunger we mostly yeah, experience. Yeah, like yeah. Andy, Andy stage. Um, yep. Your daughter. Yep. And, and yeah, we're so buffeted from from hunger. We don't really experience it. And so no, she she got it full on. And you know, you can. she's strong, mentally resilient, tough For sure. woman. Brilliant. I mean, you can tell she's, yeah, and, way stronger than me. But, um, but you know, there's there's a few things that will really unravel your mind and hunger and lack of sleep, uh, two of them, they'll just completely destroy you. And um, I was lucky, you know, I just caught enough fish and I kept myself well fed and I had routines that I stuck yeah. with. And um, and so I preserved my mental state. Yeah. But if I, you know, if I wasn't eating, I would have been a mess. Dude, it, well, it bounced between, it, it the in the sixth episode at least, like it was showing the top four and it showed you and it was like, it was like, there's no comparison. Like Tom's out there chilling, catching fish. <laughs> and they're like, oh, he hurt his wrist. <laughs> like That was like the thing. And then everyone else is like talking to themselves, hallucinating, losing their minds. That was their edit, trying to make it look close as well. <laughs> right. So the sprained wrist was probably happened like months back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a clip of me like complaining about something like that. And you can see my shelter is half finished, which is like on day seven instead of day 30. So they just cut <laughs> yeah, from day seven. Yeah, I wasn't very impressed with the edit. Someone commented yeah. on Twitter like, whoa, that part of Canada is so magic. There's a waxing and a waning moon in the same day. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> they did it shamelessly. Yeah. Like, yep. And, it, you know, it, I understand you've got to make for a bit of drama. The American show is wonderful for being non-contrived and for having very little um, kind of con- dodgy edit, I think. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I still know that there is some. But, but yeah, like, they they wanted to make a dramatic kind of race and competition. And it wouldn't have been very interesting if they told the, the real story, I guess. Because, yeah, I had 20 fillets of fish stashed away that I'd smoked how- and I was getting my stash ready for winter. Oh, my God. And- so how do you stash away? in the woods so fish. well yeah i mean first of all it's got to be and smoke it yeah you gotta, what does that even mean <laughs> so you build a smoker which is like a little teepee and you put spruce leaves like from from trees and such so you had a traeger it. out there yeah <laughs> like, oh my god <laughs> and um and basically all you're doing is it's drying you're just drying stuff and you the smoke puts like a skin on it like a it's called a yeah yeah patina. like when they uh like when they dry um the meat when they yeah 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 like biltong and stuff Uh uh um and so yeah that's all you're doing basically as long as there's no moisture bacteria can't proliferate and so you're just making sure things are bone dry so every like two three days i would just get all my smoked fish out give it a dry in the sun and make sure that it was just bone bone dry and as long yeah as i said as as long as there's no moisture in it it should last for for a few months wow so you were like you were ready to go a few more months yeah yeah. Yeah. I, well, not a few. I reckon I could have pushed to 60, 70 days. But, um, okay. you know, the, the reason they should shoot these things in autumn is because the calories are there, but they're falling off a cliff. Like all the berries are shriveling and, um, and, and falling off the bushes. The, the fish are biting at first, but they start to go into torpor, like a state of hibernation as the, as the water gets cooler and they're, they're not feeding. And wow. so like, you've got to, you've got to make hay while the sun's shining. You've got to st- you got to stack the calories and and yeah. try and hoard as much. You know that's what we ancestrally always did: preserves 
you know, it's called preserve. You, you know, you make jams, all the berries, you smoke the meat, we yeah. salt it. Everything was all about getting through the leaner times until we invented refrigeration and um, processed foods. Right, because it was the harvest and the, uh, what's the other half? The harvest <laughs> and the, I'm losing the term. The planting? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Like the, yeah. the yeah. reaping? Uh, is, no, because reaping is the same as harvesting, isn't it? Yeah, I guess I don't planting. We I don't, don't know. I don't yeah, know planting, hunting, and then and yeah. that's just in our hemisphere as well. Like in the tropics, yeah. it's obviously less it's less seasonal. But but yeah, like that's crazy. It's something very beautiful about distilling life down to its simple existence and and living out there, just like realizing kind of how we existed for ninety nine percent of our existence as, as hunter gatherers. And so that was one of the questions I had for you too. Is is uh, so how, let me ask this first. How long do you think you could have, you said 60 to 70 days. You think that's probably the Yeah, so, the yeah, sorry. Yeah, so the calories were dropping off a cliff and temperatures were dropping. It was minus 40 okay. um, about a month later. So uh, I, you know, I had minus a- Minus 30? 40. 40? And so I'm in centigrade, but they're, they're the same, aren't they? Centigrade and Fahrenheit when it's minus 40. Yeah, there's no, yeah, so it's then, crazy. There's parity yeah. there. But oh, yeah, God. and you know, I, I built a, a lovely shelter with a chimney, but that had very little insulation and you chew through calories when you, when it's that cold, obviously as well. So like, oh, yeah, God. like the ratchet is turning and there's, I, I think another 30 days would have been tough, but I reckon I could have just got there. So what, so, cause that's interesting. Cause to me, like you're saying you have fish stashed away and you're like, you're just chilling out there. I mean, I understand this, but like, what was the, what, what do you think in 30 days when you say that, what's the thing you're saying would have, would have done it? Yeah. That was all the calm before the storm. So I had 20 fillets of fish. Okay. So that's maybe I had 20 days of food. Okay. Um, although I'd supplement it with berries and leaves, like this, this type of spinach called plantain I'd eat, but that was already, there was frosts and that was getting shriveled. And so I would have been down to just my fillets of fish. That's 20 days of food if I didn't catch another fish. But the fish were just starting to bite less. And I, I don't know, like maybe I'd have caught another 10 more fish. And okay. then, you know, there's 30 days of food or, or, or just a little bit more. But yeah, okay. I, unless I was, I was setting snares to try and catch a uh, rabbit and squirrel. And mm-hmm. I set about 80 snares on my, my snare line. Um, and I didn't catch any, and it was a very bad year for, for the hares. So you get like these inverse correlations between high populations of lynx and okay. low populations of hares. And I think it was a very bad year for What's hares. What's a lynx? Th- Is that what they eat? They're just a wild cat that eats oh. the, the hare. Okay. Um, and yeah, once their populations are high, the hares are low and then they, and then the opposite happens every 10 years. You get these cycles where there's loads of cats in the wow. forest. I saw, yeah, I saw the snaring, uh, on, I think it was episode six. And you were like going and looking at your snares and they were all, you just mystified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> I've never, I've never snared before. Like that was all, okay. that was all. You said it was YouTube. Like I think on the. Genuinely. Yeah. yeah I, I like, watched like five, 10 hours of, of snaring videos on YouTube. On YouTube and I practice setting snares as well, but no, I'm snaring something that's illegal in the UK. It's something we don't do on desert islands. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm, um, it's, that was a whole new skill set. And how does snaring work? It's it's like your what do you what is that? Like I all I saw was the little wire with a loop in it. Yeah, it's like what it's like a um, a slip knot. So you know if you make okay. one of those knots that gets tighter and tighter, the more you pull on it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a stick with a slip knot on a metal piece of wire, and okay. so you put it on a game trail where you can see that there's animals walking, and that they would walk. And you put it exactly at their kind of head height. And so they would walk, they pop their head through it. They go, oh, what the fuck is that? Um, pull away, it Pull away and that's it. And then they, they, they strangle themselves. It's not pleasant, but you know. Well, you're out there trying to survive. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. What was, um, 
It's such a crazy experience, dude. You got to diversify by income, <laughs> like calorie income, because you know, obviously, money is no calories yeah. are money out there, and you've got yeah. to have diversified income streams. <laughs> that makes sense, because if you're only counting on fish, I, I was gonna like, do you think? Because a lot of people, it looked like in the edit, it looked like a lot of people were having way more trouble fishing than you were. Do you think that was because of like your location? You happen to be in a good spot for fish or you think you're just... It's a bit of both. Fishing. fishing is one of those weird things that two people can look like they're doing exactly the same thing and get very different results. Okay. And it's um, there's a lot of like just tiny nuance. It's the last okay. few percent of difference that make can make a big difference. Undoubtedly, I had a wonderful spot. I had a really good spot. But um, but yeah, I did quite a lot of things that made a difference. I could go into the real finer details. But one of the big ones was I took the largest hooks we were allowed to take, which was seven O's. Um, okay. normally when you're freshwater fishing, you take tiny hooks, okay. um, the fish are more discerning, but the, uh, I took these huge hooks cause I knew they were pike, which have got mouths, you know, bigger than my, bigger than my hands. And so, so yeah, I took these, these massive hooks that the pikes were less able to wiggle off really. And we weren't allowed to have barbs on okay. our hooks. And so the first like 10 fish I caught, I, one of them, I landed the other nine managed to get off the, off the line. Um, oh, wow. And I also, used- so there was a lot of like they get on the line and then they get off. Yeah. Yeah. Is that normal or is that, I don't fish. I normally always would fish with barbs on my hooks. So they stay on the bar past the barb. Um, I'd never fished with barbless hooks before. So, so yeah, I don't know, but the, the pike, you know, they jump out the water and flip themselves off the, off the hook. You got some, there's like a pretty big fish. I think in episode six that you caught. Yeah. The biggest pike was, um, it was about 60 inches or so like, yeah, meets meter or so long. Like, yeah. really really nice pike oh my god yeah yeah how long did you eat that was that like you oh, just was it a feast for a day or did you like eat it over i would always just cut the fillets off and smoke them and then okay. i would just boil up the head and the spine and make my big broth um and and yeah and dine on that and oh and you made a broth from the bones. yeah and boil up yeah, all the bones of and, course you know you that's a nice thing you cook in a pot and you extract every last calorie if you cook over a fire then every drip that you see going to the fire is like fat, rendered fat that's falling in the losing calories. And so oh. a pot, you make sure that hundred percent of the calories and nutrients are going into you. You drink the water or everything. Wow. So would you like boil the fish? Or yeah. How, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, so it's you not would, as nice as frying it, obviously, but not as tasty, but it's, but it doesn't matter. But out it's there, I mean. amazing how you, after a while out there, you're because you're depriving yourself of, of minerals and fats and, and salts and stuff. After like 25 days or so, your your body starts to like really notice the bits of the fish that it wants. And you're like, oh, that you can taste that the cheek meat has got more nutrients to it. And then you start to really crave the liver and the kidneys, yeah. which I normally hate. And it's, it's strange, delicious, and, wasn't it? Yeah. And your body's like, that's what we need. That's where the yeah. pleasure sensors are going to fire. And yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting to to witness that. Did you eat any squirrels out there? I saw, um, I don't remember his name, but one of the guys like squirrels Louis, was his thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, like I, I didn't. And, and okay. I would have, had I changed an item round in hindsight, I would have not taken the net and I would have taken a bow and I could have, I could have got several squirrels. I could have probably got like 10 grouse. It was, it would have, it was an error not taking the bow. But um, okay. I did catch a duck on day 25 in my net yeah. accidentally. In your net? <laughs> yeah, I was trying oh for fish, God. obviously, and a poor duck got caught in there. But um, but I was saying about like how things are the, the flavor and taste of things are accentuated. Oh. When you eat a duck, when all you've eaten is pike and leaves for twenty five days, and you eat roast duck, uh, is I mean roast duck I like on a I, it tastes incredible on a good day. It's one of my favorite meals. But yeah, like, I roasted same. this thing in this Dutch oven. I put like coals on the top. I cooked it from all directions, and I lifted the lid. The smell was like intoxicating. It's like it was just like being in fine dining restaurant. I think 
better than that. I'm I mean, sure. it was better than was any better than triple that. Michelin star meal I've uh-huh. ever eaten. Nothing. I mean, they say hunger is the best sauce, but yeah, nothing can prepare you to like, eat something after depriving yourself of that. You for said 25 you cried, days. right? I think I wept into my bowl. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> that was the 25th of September, which is coming up soon. And for now, fourth, it's quite bougie. But the 25th of September will be Duck Day. Duck and I'll day. Eat a whole duck to myself. Every every yeah, is. I've never. I've all I've ever eaten of a duck is like a duck breast. I think. Oh, it's um, all about the crispy skin. Oh yeah, but the yeah, skin. Sure. Well, that with the skin on top. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, gotcha. rendered. Oh, dude, the skin is. Oh my God. If you if they, I mean, I don't know if like how well it was rendered. Or I don't think it mattered out there, but the skin's amazing. Um, how much food is a whole duck? Like, is it, like now that you're going to eat it when you're not starving? Is that like a lot of food? Like, it's going. You yeah, know what I, mean? I mean, I guess the, the the really kind of the point of always is is that the wild stuff is such smaller. Like when you have an organic chicken, you can see how much oh, yeah, brawnier they are. You're gonna get a duck. It's gonna be like yeah. And like the the ducks the duck I got was was smaller, but it was I it was still a really damn big good meal. I ate it in one I ate it in one to, sitting. Oh, yeah. it was it was. I mean, I said it's the best meal of my life. Yeah, but um, but no, I mean, it's probably getting over two thousand calories. Uh, I'd, I'd say from from the from, whole duck. from the whole duck, yeah, yeah, that of... had to be the best feeling in the world. Oh, it was insanely delicious. Did you lose? Well, before okay, so all right, back up. So like you're leading. Okay, actually, let me go further back. <laughs> before, how how'd you apply for the show? Like what what would it what did that look like? What gave you the? Were you already doing Desert Island Survival before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we can talk about Desert Island Survival in a bit, but yeah, yeah, I, we will. I've run that company for for seven years, um, cool. and so I guess it was about fourteen months ago, fifteen months ago, I got a email saying, "Hi, we're creating this new TV show. Um, have anyone who's been on your uh, trips?" Would you think that, that, do you know anyone who might be interested in this kind of experience? And I was like, screw those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I am interested in this trip. They didn't call it alone. It was called The Wilderness. They were trying to like keep it oh, under wraps. Okay. And so I applied and then I found out it was alone, which I'm just super fan which of. Which you already were a fan of. Huge oh, that's got to be the craziest surprise. Yeah. I was yeah. really elated then. I was like, okay, wow, this is legit. Because, okay. in you know, in the bushcraft community alone is the Survival Olympics. It's yeah. the, the non-contrived, it's the real like test of your metal experience yeah um and so so yeah so i applied Two thousand people applied um and yeah i got shortlisted and had to do a few like bushcraft assessments where you send in videos of yourself and things and yeah i made it through the selection process and what do you have to send in like uh Uh, they gave like some options they're like could you i I built a chair and like i filmed myself building a chair for for like four hours one one afternoon okay um so i went to a friend's house down in Sintra and just like can we can we fell a tree and take it to your garden So you were in you were in Lisbon when you applied for the show. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. How long have you been in Lisbon? I, I mean, I basically just arrived. So yeah, I've been in Lisbon like 15, 16 months. Okay. So, yeah. So it just happened, just after arriving. Oh. Okay. Okay. I see. Wow. Um. And then okay. So then you got the approval. Yeah. Hey, you're on found the show. On the show. And then I was like, right, I've got seven weeks to learn as much as possible because i i'm a tropical survival guy i've never done a day in temperate woodlands so i had to learn all about canadian flora and fauna um and things like trapping and stuff like that okay uh i've got seven weeks to get aggressively fat yeah <laughs> so i you know i i because as i said calories are money in the bank and yep. so i started um i started by drinking olive oil which is no really oh peppery like it burns the back of your throat so i was doing shots, really? shots of olive oil and then 
I think someone said, dude, like, or I thought of it, try coconut oil, which is much smoother. Okay. And then I started putting that in every like smoothie in the morning. And I was probably putting like three, 400 mil. Um, I got a bit of the shits, but yeah, yeah <laughs> it was 2000 calories for breakfast straight away. Just or maybe more like 3000. Um, and then I'd have my coffee. I'd put like double, triple cream, like okay. my coffee with sugar. Okay. And then just eat, 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 pasta, pasta, pasta. I'd still go to the gym and work out as well and try and like put on muscle because mm-hmm. your body doesn't just break down fats. It breaks down muscles because there's different minerals and vitamins in either. So, you know, you've got to have both. You can't just be super fat. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I managed to put on... 20 kilos in seven weeks, which I was pretty proud of. I was disgusting. Holy smokes. For all the Americans out there, it's like 45 pounds, That's 50 it. pounds. Yeah, 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 exactly. In seven weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My blood pressure was like peaking at one. Were you like 55? <laughs> I had heartburn. Were you just loving life though? Like no, that had to be, no? Like your, your oh. pleasure sensors stop firing. It starts, your body stops rewarding you for the probably behavior. Probably just hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It probably it, just starts to feel bad. Yeah. That was something that looking at the other people on the show it didn't look like a lot of the other people did that no like they didn't look like you certainly looked like you had a little bit extra oh yeah and yeah (laughs) yeah hell yeah but the other people like they just look like fit and i was like that's why tom won (laughs) yeah i mean mean, definitely part of it for sure there's definitely yeah there's many there's a number of strategies that kind of come together and that was definitely one um People, I think one person put on eight, nine kilos, but yeah, no one put on close. No one took it as seriously of getting fat as I did. Um, and one person, like least she only had three weeks to prepare. She only found out she was going on the show three weeks before. Whoa. Yeah, so she, she did not weeks. have long. And she's never done really bushcraft before as well. Oh my God. Yeah, like she's, oh, so that, what place was she? Second. What the F? Yeah, they, I mean, they definitely miscast. Like they, Okay. Um, I'm disappointed, like. I kind of would have liked someone to push me toe to toe a bit further and um yeah. and showcase that you know there's Brits that can do this rather than we're all just <laughs> yeah. Because you said the American one, it's like a minimum sixty-five days is yeah. the and then this and one was, was that was season one. Yeah, this sure. one was thirty-five days. Wow. That is really wild, dude. Disappointing. But. Yeah. So did you have okay, so this was one of the questions. <laughs> did you have I coffee? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you didn't, right? I didn't, okay. but I did find peppermint. And so I was able to have peppermint tea. That's amazing. Yeah. I loved my peppermint. And tea. I mean peppermint or mint, I suppose, would be a relatively easy thing to identify. Because mm. it's like I think yeah, most of us can get that one. Yeah. I just touch my tongue to it and then probably die. <laughs> 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 Not pepper, peppermint. Did you ever uh or, I mean, I didn't watch episodes three, four, three, four, five, but did you or anyone else that you know of ever like eat anything that like just was, I don't know, like there's a lot of shit you can eat that'll not be good, right? Yeah. We or make you sick. We, it's happened in the US show and it's normally people getting food poisoning from the meat. They like when, when people okay. eat beaver and oh. they get trichinosis or like it's really easy to get food poisoning from stuff like that but um you know i'm beaver yeah beavers carry a lot of parasites oh so you get okay um gotcha and yeah i you know there's a scene where i i caught a mouse and i ate a mouse and they really alluded oh, to that that must be in episode five yeah okay and they really alluded to that being like a huge gamble and you know obviously mice so i mean country mice are very different to our city mice but um but they still well, can carry a lot of what do you do to get you just cook the crap out of it so yeah. that it kills the yeah parasites? And I, I should have cooked it more i think i just roasted okay. it on a stick and in hindsight i should have boiled it how like, was it it was just like a overdone crispy chicken wing Oh, okay. But it was fine. Didn't taste. 
It was good. Like it was nice to have some. That some was like food. on day fifteen. It's nice to have some meat along okay. with fish, just a little snack. But that's like fifty calories, and so the risk for fifty yeah, calories no. is. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. Asymmetrically bad. <laughs> and that's the thing with berries too, right? Is berries and leaves, which you said you were eating leaves. I saw one guy eating tree bark at one point. Yeah. Did you do that? I, so yeah, that's the cambium layer. Um, I, yeah, I think I tried a little bit, but it's oh, so astringent. It's not good. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like dude. real starvation food. Yeah. And like you can eat the, um, the moss as well. Like, the, sorry, the lichen. Um, okay. If you boil it four times and get rid of the the acids and stuff like that, boil it four times. Yeah, that's crazy. In your civil war and things, that's what people were surviving on. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, but no, I we were you know you're we're really vigilant about like if you can't 100 percent identify it, you don't take a chance on it. Don't eat it. No. So, but we we learned the things sense. that were good to eat before. That makes so sense. I found some mushrooms, some which I knew were belites, which is a family of mushrooms that are no, there's none of them are deadly. Um, and I dried those out and I was like, oh, do I want to, but I wasn't certain what belief they were. I knew it couldn't kill me, but it could have made me sick and it was covered in mouse droppings. And so then I started catching fish and I was like, I will just leave. Those. I'm just going to stick <laughs> yeah, with the I fish. Don't, I don't need this. Yeah, dude. Um, so what was the, before you went on, you gained weight. What else did you do? And then you obviously studied Canada stuff, bushcraft. What else did you do though? For, did you like, cause like you probably had to get off coffee before, cause you don't want to be out there and have caffeine headaches, right? Or? Yeah. So I, I mean, I normally drink tea anyway, but, um, okay. but yeah, I, I'd scaled that down for two weeks beforehand. Um, and alcohol as well. Okay. Um, I didn't drink for, for like six, seven weeks before. Um, and I mean, that's really, what it. about the, like sugar? Did you try to cut out sugar for the most part? No, no. Well, you gain any weight. Up on sugar. <laughs> like, no, like, dude, one, all I ate was sugar. One thing I didn't do that I should have done is actually like a little bit of fasting. So, you know, when you go into ketosis, um, yeah. I think we talked about this. We did. Was yeah. It? Cause Michaela and I were exactly. doing, um, we were doing keto and then it's what triggered it. Yeah. 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 So like obviously out there, I had no choice but to go into ketosis, um, through, through my diet. Um, and I never, done that before and i think you having that muscle memory is is useful for your body to have experienced at least once before because you can get really sick when you shift in ketosis right yeah oh yeah oh yeah michaela was like michaela was really sick and so i'm lucky like could that you were yeah so did you have like you're fine no no problem at all one one guy alan he he had real problems processing fats and things and like i wonder if his his body did not agree with a high fat diet there was something with him like he couldn't the fish were making him sick yeah and which like sucks because it's like one of the main sources of food out there that totally and he he also one of your one of his 10 items was pemmican which is like a mixture of 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 deer and berries and stuff like that it's a real high calorie food like okay like built on beef jerky stuff uh-huh. and um yeah he couldn't eat that as well he said it was also making him sick so yeah his body reached a point where it was just like no i'm not eating this stuff so he he couldn't continue wow yeah he was uh alan was interesting to watch because he near the end i mean again everyone all these people are tougher than me but he was losing his shit like he was he was really meant like he was getting lost it's, it's kind of scary to watch my thought was like so like and how long has the U.S. version been running? Like seven, eight it's years? Ten ago? seasons. So yeah. I think has anyone about, died yet? No. How is that possible? One girl who came very close to dying. Okay. Um, what she, happened? She she waded out to uh, reset her net. And so she, and the water was like a couple of degrees above zero. 
Um, Whoa. And she, so, you know, you've got like 15 minutes until your body's going to shut down. She, she went out there to do her net and the, she wore her life vest and it activated, had one of those activation things that wasn't meant to happen. And so suddenly it inflated. And then she was kind of like turned on her side and got her legs caught up in her net. And she was just out in the water. She had to very, very calmly, and she did a tremendous job. I think her name's Teresa. And um, and she she managed to just like very slowly untangle the net from her legs and eventually wow. on eventually uh, escape. But um, but man, she was she was genuinely a few minutes from death. Our coffee's just arrived. Yeah, that's why. Sorry. No, it's, it's important shit. Important shit. Um, thanks, Diago. The life fuel of a podcast. Dude, life fuel, bro. That's crazy. So tell how'd she get out? Say it again. She just took her time. Like she didn't she panic. She just didn't panic. If she had panicked, she would have died. But she was just very pragmatic and slow and like, right, this is important. If I don't do this, I'll die. And got on with the job. <laughs> that's what being uh that's what being hungry does to you. Yeah, there is a stoic. there is a I mean, I've never the longest I've not eaten is not extraordinarily long, probably like I did when I was religious, I would fast sometimes. There you go, sir. Thank you, sir. Um <clears throat> I would fast sometimes when I was religious. And is I would, that, like I mean, yeah. I know about Ramadan, but is that something in the Christian faith that there's Yeah, there's I don't know. It depends on like which branch you're part of. It's uh it's mm, it's it's in the Bible. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Pretty good. Yeah. It's in the Bible. So like people I don't know. It's not it wasn't like a yearly thing. It's something you might just do to feel closer to God or to like test yourself or to like as a, as a meditative prayerful type of thing. I wish they promoted more of stuff like that. Yeah. Even, even non-religious versions of that yeah. would be really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, but there is, what I was going to say is there is like a euphoria once you get past that initial, like, Oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> or your body's just freaking the hell out. There is a euphoria. Like you feel really good. Yeah. Right. Did you have a lot of that out there? I felt well, you the, felt fucking amazing. I, I I pushed my scale of happiness further than I ever thought existed. I thought my peak happiness was here. I'm gesturing my hands. It turns out it's over here. I didn't realize I could feel that good. I think you know when did that hit? Like day what? Like because probably the first like three days you're just like the first three days you're chasing your tail. It's mad, of course. Yeah, but um, but no. After a few weeks, once I you know once I had my routines dialed in, I had my nice shelter. I was sleeping well. I was eating well. And then I was just able to start to really enjoy what I, where I was and what I was doing. Having that clear mind, having, you know, just nothing to think about. You know, we have, have, we try and keep too much in our head. And all I had to think about was like, where's my next food coming from? Or what should I do? What should I film? And, and, and even then I, you know, I had nothing to think about. And again, it goes back to like our paleolithic life and, and now. And we used to just be simple hunter gatherers. And when you live that simple existence, it's amazing how well the glove fits. I mean, there's a lovely quote, like we have um, paleolithic brains with medieval institutions and godlike technology. No wonder we have like record amounts of depression and anxiety. And, you know, we're trying to really hit a, a square peg into a round hole, mm. the way we live our lives with our paleolithic brains. And when you live that simple way, man, it feels so good. All of a sudden, so good. yeah. And I've uh, probably the most akin to that, which isn't at all, but the most I've done is like I've done five day backpacking trips where you're out there on the trail, you have 40 pounds on your back and you're walking 10 miles a day. And yeah, I would, those in terms of like my happiness, I, I, I it's, it's a euphoria. Like I can't compare anything really in my life exactly. to the joy I get out there 
there's just such a simplicity to it, like you're saying. Like in in my case, I'm I'm just walking. You know, you walk for ten miles, and that's all you do all day. You get up, you eat, you walk, you talk to your friends, and I mean, you didn't. So that's another aspect of this too, though. With alone, if you haven't watched the show, um, again, highly recommend it. But do the UK version because Tom was on it. But you're alone. It's not only that you have to survive as long as you can. It's not, but it's not like Survivor where you have a team of five, ten people or something, and then they're giving you rice all the time. They just drop you out there and you are literally alone. So yeah. what's that like mentally? Is yeah. there is there is that a challenging piece of it? Or are you like, no, nah, I'm introverted. I just want to chill on my own anyways? Yeah, it was something I was totally unproven for. I didn't know how I'd react. I'd never done more than a day or two on my own. Um, but a classic only child. I think I'm also like I am my best friend and I really enjoy my own company. And yeah. um I it was fine. I, I think it would be a lot harder if I wasn't filming. The camera gave me this companion. It was my Wilson. You know, Dude, it was your Wilson. Away. I was and, thinking about that. And everything I was doing, I was just explaining to my Wilson and just like it was my buddy that I was talking to and, and sharing it with. And then the other kind of thing I really you know, I practiced quite a few mental disciplines out there. And another one I practiced was kind of self-compassion like you we only have one inner voice and uh, well you may have more but um <laughs> but uh the idea like i i made sure that that was my best buddy and that it was a good encouraging uh companion with me and i was always like occasionally like uh, instead of being like you're an idiot i'm like you're being a bit of a nincompoop or yeah, i don't know like silly. just being a bit more like kind and playful and just was very mindful of the of the of the language i treated myself with it seemed like um you had uh so like from the way it was shot or uh, edited it seemed like one of the big motivators for you going out there was a pretty personal like i want to uh like you you talk a lot or at least they showed a lot you talking about like being a fat kid right and like sort of the insecurity you carry around that and was this was this for you like a way to that I mean that was definitely the narrative that the show That's what they showed shows. and that's what I'm wondering yeah. Um for me my main driver was to you know I've always watched the show and fantasized about the experience and that that yeah. opportunity to get close to nature and live that simple existence and also I you know I teach this stuff and people always say well what's the longest that you've ever done on your own and I'm like a day and it's just it's embarrassing I feel like I've never tested you're my metal people. Yeah. yeah I've been learning these skills and I've never put them into practice and so yeah. so yeah it was a real chance to do that but no and what I, you know, what I shared on the show about imposter syndrome. So yeah, I was the fattest kid in my school. I was academically bottom of my school. My nickname was bum. Like things Your nickname were, was bum. Yeah, things were not looking good for this chubby little fella. Okay. Um, and I don't know how I live the charm life I do now. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. But, um, and, and, and so, yeah, and, and it is true. Like I had, you, when you're told you're stupid, yeah. particularly at a young age, a formative age, those labels stick. Like if you tell a child they're clumsy, they feel they're clumsy. They, they kind of own those And then labels. they sort of become clumsy because yeah, that's like, their... Exactly. They yeah. manifest it in a way. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah. So like I did talk about imposter syndrome. It's taken me decades to shake off that feeling of being stupid and 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 build up that self-belief. And so, yeah, this was a, a nice way to... Do you think you've shook it? Uh, yeah, I feel like it's always still, you know, it's it's tiny. Does it ever go away? It can yeah. get bigger, but it's it's now manageable in a little cage far far but away. But it gets smaller, yeah. But, you know, like if you if you're in a period of anxiety or something, these things kind of creep up and they grow. come back. They can always grow. They're always yeah. It's just yeah. it's just shrunk to a very small size. <laughs> but it was helpful. the The experience was helpful for you too, which it makes total sense because you're out there and 
you're just in nature. And like you said, like if you, if, if either of us woke up this morning and a lot of people do, but you like write down all the things you're going to do today or have to do today or things you're responsible for even, or things that you have to make sure don't go bad, whatever it, it would be like an obnoxiously long list. And, um, when you're out there, it's like, don't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And don't hurt yourself so that you can last. But there's a there's a massive simplicity to it. Totally. And it and it I I carry around in my day-to-day life just a bit of like anxiety and tension and mm-hmm. just because yeah, I don't know. I, 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 as I said, it's I just, like it's yeah. it's we, a lot of us too. Yeah. Um and out there obviously that went from my mind and it was amazing how that showed in my body as well so i think also changing my diet out there was again the classic paleo diet of just fish leaves yep. berries yep. um and this real real clean living mint tea like <laughs> pints and pints of mint tea every day and a lot of these things i've since looked up are like anti-inflammatories and stuff like that um wow. and my body felt like it had this total reset so my gut biome i feel had a a total overhaul so i normally would get ibs like irritable bowel syndrome uh-huh. bloating and things uh-huh. like that we're now like 12 months later and it hasn't come back um i feel like my gut biome has been like re rebuilt that whole it's population gone. yeah that's gone which is amazing and that's crazy and you know like we generate serotonin in our stomach and i feel happier uh, as a whole i feel like there's that the mind body link has there's definitely been Stronger. an improvement there um and yeah my my the inflammation that left my body when i was out there as well like i became so obviously i lost like the 18 kilos in 35 days 40 40 pounds um but yeah my whole body felt just better and uh, it just yeah it was amazing what is stress like when you're out there and what is it like when this when you have you know, the kind of like you're saying, like this day-to-day stress you have, and then you go out there and it's so simple and you don't, you know, you're not thinking about making money. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about how to be ambitious or successful. What is, but you are, of course, there's some degree of quote unquote stress in terms of finding food and making it far, but what's that, what's like, is this stress you experience pretty different than the normal day-to-day and what's it like? Yeah. I think, you know, I think we have a lot of low-level background stress that we 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 don't even notice like living in a city you've got car horns and buses and things and they're constantly like triggering our fight or flight mechanism and putting us on edge and releasing um endorphins not endorphins the opposite yeah uh, serotonin, uh, serotonin and, yeah yeah and or cortisol, like that. cortisol yeah. thank you mm-hmm. that's what i meant that's cortisol. the one cortisol the yeah one. yeah i got you this coffee's kicking in i live dude yeah we're living on cortisol bro <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> let's go <laughs> um and yeah and out there obviously you've got none of that and so, so definitely quiet and but stresses, I think, would you know, they are things like food security. Like if you go a day to free without catching a fish, you start to really question like whether you're going to last out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the flip side, again, you really realize what your brain chemistry is there for when you are catching fish. Like I spent four hours a day fishing or more because it was for me a killer of boredom and and, a, and an entertainment as okay. well as obviously highly functional. Yeah. I loved it. I love fishing anyway. But every cast was like pulling the handle on one of those... Um, <laughs> like a uh, slot one, machine. One-arm bandit kind of uh-huh. uh, slot machine. Exactly. Uh-huh. Every cast, you like get that <gasps> anticipation of dopamine. And then when you catch a fish, you get this rush of dopamine and rewards. And, and it, it it makes you realize that's all our brain chemistry was there for. We now seek all these different ways of getting those pleasure centers stimulated through shopping and porn and alcohol and oh man horror whatever it Pulling might out be your phone scrolling on yeah 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 media. exactly notifications mm-hmm. and stuff but when yeah just the, 
distilling life down to its simple existence of what these mechanisms were built for you really get that realization and it yeah it love fits so right it feels so good yeah <laughs> did you get a sense of what's what's interesting to me is like you know our ancestors didn't do that for 30 to 60 days they did it all the time now they weren't exactly. alone so that i think that is a really important component of human evolution and ancestry is like we've definitely evolved to be together in communities and tribes um but do you think you got a sense of how a person would and could with just the, you know, like survive just like our ancestors did? Totally. totally. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing it easy. I've got a saw, an axe. Like the, the Dene, the, the, the local band population who lived there, they before Europeans bought axes, their axes were made from beaver's teeth and their nets were made from willow bark. Oh my God. Um, and so you realize, and you know, all of their clothes were obviously made from hides and from bears and muskocks and whatever it might be. And, and they're so getting you, by fine, aren't they? Yeah, they're yeah. getting by fine. And you know, and ancestrally, ancestrally, we did all this. Okay, we did it in, yeah. in groups of people. And the, the challenge for us, like one day I hurt my back and I was like, okay, now if I literally can't get up, then I can't feed myself. I can't get water. I have to quit. You know, you would die. You would die. And yeah. So Quitting we, is we dying out there. That, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. always had we always had a, a, a tribe to to lean on right um who could help one person who was an invalid or sick at that time but um but no like yeah i had it easy I had it easy yeah yeah for sure it, for sure because you got to bring 10 items right yeah sorry. uh what so would you bring so i took an axe a saw a multi-tool like a leatherman okay um, which was my knife as well um and then i took a cooking pot a fire striker a sleeping bag a fishing net uh, fishing hooks and line mm -hmm. and paracord and snare wire okay the only and you're, you're pretty happy with that selection yeah yeah the only switch would be the net for the bow okay even with the uh snaring wire which like did not work at all you would the you snaring wire i used so it was critical for my fishing because i used it as a leader that stopped the pike from biting through the line okay so i had multiple uh, i used it for tying up my my shelter okay um what about the clothing situation like i saw you out there people like you had a good bit of clothing on yeah so what's that like what are you allowed to bring with clothing yeah there's a full list of everything that you're allowed to bring so okay you're allowed like four pairs of gloves six pairs of socks otherwise okay. it's two pairs of trousers two one t-shirt um okay. yeah like you're allowed so you're allowed really a good, decent uh, amount of again like i had this serious equipment that i never i used it for sleeping on and i never actually had to like wear it in anger to to keep warm which i was also like i really wanted to yeah, hunk, you never got down. to get to the cold i've got these ridiculous wool dungarees that what am i going to do with them now wow <laughs> so you you so the the isolation element of like I'm like, no one's here to talk to me other than my Wilson camera. Like it, it was like, you did, I feel like I would go nuts. I'm, I'm kind of extroverted though. Like I like talking, I like people and I like alone time, but in like, even if I'm at home all day alone, I get like, yeah. Oh man. My wife's the same. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, oh, I, 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 I am, people. I'm definitely an introvert. Okay. I must be. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you can be out, dude, for sure. If you can be out there and just be like pretty satisfied, like. So that wasn't an, a component of it for you that was particularly difficult. No, and wow. you know it may well have become one. And and interestingly, you you have a medical every seven days, um, where they actually get this tiny bit of human interaction for twenty minutes. They come and you're okay. asking about Elise maybe dying, so she would have got a medical, and then said, "Sorry, you're too skinny, you can't continue." They come and take your blood pressure, your weight, and okay. they take your mental faculties are all there. Anyway, that. 20 minutes of interaction is incredible. Again, your brain is firing just like, wow, we need people. more of this people crack. 
Um, really? And, and then and then when they go, it's like this come down, this absence, this palpable kind of absence of humanity. And apparently, a lot of people quit after their medical because you because yeah, you really it's feel just that. this high, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm alone. You again. feel this depression almost creep in. Whoa! And so and I felt that like and then okay. when it ended, it was amazing to talk to people and go back to the hotel, but also. I was saying about, I think I was saying, maybe I wasn't, the aperture of your senses kind of opens up a lot there. Mm -hmm. You smell more, you hear more, you taste more. So like, that's why the duck tastes so good as oh, well. Yeah. You become a wild animal, you're in tuned, you're listening out for bears and your senses are so heightened. And then when you finish and you go back to this hotel or you go in a helicopter as well, and just talking to people, I could do about 10 minutes until I was just exhausted. I found it overwhelming. And it, and then when I tried to sleep, I had to open up all the windows. Every noise in the hotel was driving me crazy. I had to unplug the fridge. Every, I was waking up to anything. I felt like I was on amphetamines. My brain was buzzing. And it took me like wow. three or four days for my brain to close down. And it's kind of sad that we, that's how we live our lives. Like, and, then you, our and then you acclimate and yeah. you, you abuse yourself to the point where you're like, all right, well, you had to sleep. Yeah, if you had those heightened senses right now walking around Lisbon, it would be it would drive you crazy, like every wow. noise. So instead of having those those heightened senses as senses as we've sort of evolved to in nature, it's all mute. It's all uh, muted. Yeah, we turn them down because mm -hmm. you have to, because yeah. otherwise you'd go crazy. Yeah, be overstimulated. But you—that's what you experienced—is just this wild. Do you do you get that? So like, uh, Tom is also the owner, founder, head honcho, king of. <laughs> Desert Island Survival. I didn't know who uh, you're talking Emperor. about. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? Yeah, like, where the fuck is this going? <laughs> yeah. No, of Desert Island Survival, which is 10 day, right? Yep. Excursions yep. onto desert islands and survival mm -hmm. and everything. It's amazing. And I want to do it. Um, when you go, because I know you just went last month or so, you got back from a yeah, excursion? Yeah, to Tonga. Near okay. Fiji. Okay. Do you experience to a lesser degree, because I know you're not out there quite as long, but do you experience a similar degree of, because like when you got back, I, I saw you at school, I think pretty soon after you had arrived back, yeah. I think. Um, and just looking at you, I was like, man, like you just, you looked like, like you got back, you looked overwhelmed. It was like a lot of, is that, an, and maybe it was just like a weird day that was, and I might be reading it wrong, but is that, do you get that when you come back from these excursions as well? Yeah, a little bit for a sure. A little bit and of like, oh my God. I get some, a lot of the benefits of, of, of kind of this nature deficit disorder that we have. I get my kind of dose. Um, but you know, I'm running these trips and so I'm also thinking about all of the logistics and, okay. and, and so my customer happiness like... and stuff like that. So it's 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 still quite consuming and, and has its stresses. Yeah. But for my guests, overwhelm might not be the right word, but you just look like you know getting back on track of this and different. i interpreted it as like oh maybe he just got back and it's like a lot of sensory input you know but yeah maybe that was yeah, yeah. i mean it definitely is it's a shift okay. it's a shift and i do feel a kind of i always feel a bit bit down for a week or so i was gonna ask do you get like like fucking depressed like you come back and you're like this is this is the real bullshit life i have to you know like yeah. i mean that's that's I, cynical but... i love the i love the yin and yang of my life like so i get okay. to go to tropical islands and spend time in nature then come back to an awesome city with amazing restaurants and people and and yep. you know and because when you when you're out in nature that's what you crave and then when you're here you crave nature and I I like that back and forth yeah but I am finding more and more like maybe I would like a little house in Sintra that I'm half an hour from Lisbon I know it's there I can go in and get it but I'm in nature a bit more I feel like I'm yeah. starting to be ready for that kind want of that a little bit more step a little further out we just went to Midori last night do you know that restaurant it's a no. Japanese uh, it's really good but it's in Sintra Michaela and I went because it was her birthday and so. We went there last night. We're driving, and I, it, dude, I felt like once we got into, we were in an Uber, but once we got into like the the streets where there's like a little more countryside, we got, and it was like 
I, I just, it was almost like, oh, yeah. like peaceful. Like yeah. it was weird. I was like, and Michaela and I immediately were like, man, once we, once Andy's out of school, maybe we'll just buy a place out here. And then it was really appealing. There's an appeal about it for sure. Like the calmness and, and peacefulness of, of that. And I love living in the city because I'm a high, uh, frequency. Yeah. High frequency. I don't know what to call it. I'm a crazy person, you know, like I get, I get, I think I get like bored and depressed if I don't have a lot of shit, um, stimulating you. Yeah. Stimulating me, which maybe I'm just like, screw. but then, but what's funny about that is I go on these five day backpacking trips. It's the best thing in the world. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder what that is. Yeah. And when like, you do it, there's an island trip. I wonder. Yeah. I dude. Seriously. We're going to, we're going to go. When's your, when, when, well, you have a ton of them, don't you? Yeah. We got them running right now in Panama, but um, you, how many people do you have who also run the experiences other I've, than you? Yeah. I've got six other instructors. Okay. Yeah. So we run trips in Panama, Philippines and Tonga. And we're adding one in Indonesia. I just got back from Indonesia. Okay. So nice. let's, let's go all the way back. Cause this is really a great story too. Cause it's such a crazy business you own. It is a little bit. It's so cool though. <laughs> you you have the best business in the world. I mean, you get you literally get to like. I'm sure there's like challenges and stuff as always, but you you like you said the yin and yang of your life. You get to go and be on these desert islands and take through people through these like pretty uh, powerful, sometimes cathartic experiences on these desert islands, life changing potentially, um, which isn't even the intent that you started with. So tell tell. Tell me about, um, which I've heard the story, but let's refresh it of like what you were doing before. Yeah. What, eight years, eight, nine years ago? Yeah. So I'll, introduce I'll go us back to a little that further Tom. and do, okay. the, do the quick one. So I, was, All right. I alluded to Fat Kid Tom. Fat Kid Tom. Let's go to Fat Kid. Total Tom. failure. Okay. He somehow managed to scrape into university or college for you guys. <clears throat> and I just kind of went through this and I managed to. Um, I was again, like failing and just scraping by. And okay. then my housemate was like, I am going to Fiji to map coral reefs. And I was like, that is what I need in my life. I need to be, I need to be in Fiji map coral. Were you still like overweight at this point? No, I pretty much lost the weight, but I okay. had the confidence of a fat kid. Okay. <laughs> Skinny man's okay. body. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and was still like kind of failing and stuff and smoking a lot of weed and just, yeah, my like, man. yeah I was yep. not, I was not, it was not looking good. Not happy. Um, and so anyway, he was like, yeah, man, you should do it, but you're not coming to Fiji. This is my thing. There's a it's a company called Coral Care Conservation. They've got one in Honduras as well. So I was like, okay, I'll go to Honduras. And so as a year of university, I went to Honduras and I mapped coral reefs and I'd never dived before. And I did two dives every day for seven months and became a dive master. And there's the first no time like I got a modicum of confidence. People asked me like, hey, Tom, I saw this fish or how do I map this or like all this stuff. Um, and I became like, yeah, a... Um, more i get a modicum of self-respect and like self-belief yeah. and came back because you had something that you were good at now for the first time yeah yeah and then i wrote my my dissertation and my thesis on the effects of scuba tourism and coral reefs and i got like 87 percent, and i got a good degree in the end yeah. so i failed every year into my final year and i got a good degree um and then i did what was expected of me i went and got a proper job um and i found myself selling software for an American software company uh, in Maidenhead, okay. which is like a backwater. Because you got the degree, so now it's time to yeah, get like, the career. I, I, mean, I did a little bit of travel, but then it was like, right, you've got to get a career, do what the family expects of you, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And so I went to the office and I was in my cubicle doing sales calls, selling software. And I was fucking- Oh, you're a salesperson? Yeah. Oh, fuck. And, was, and that seems like for you, like something you would hate. 
Yeah, is that accurate? I, 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 I'm kind of I'm okay at sales, but I also I think I you might be good at it. But it seems like something that would just kill your soul. Definitely kills a, my soul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you were out there with no people for 30 days, and you're like, yeah, fuck people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like being a salesperson talking to people all day, and like, yeah, that's got to be brutal. Yeah, I remember drawing maps of the world from like memory and just like trying to hide away doing these. There was one time when I was driving. Um, back from work and I was thinking oh, I could just crash into the central reservation of the motorway and get a few weeks in hospitals so I'd have to go to work and I was like oh my god dude that's a suicidal tendency <laughs> I need to change Changes that with my life bro yeah. and then like a few weeks later I was having um, pints with my mate Paul and he was like mate I found this company there um, I'm gonna walk to the North Pole and I was like North Pole. That's what I need. I don't want to be pigeonholed as a software salesman. I need to <laughs> anyway, walk to the North Pole. Like, yeah. And they have these ideas and you had good friends, I guess. Yeah. Who were doing crazy shit. Yeah. And so yeah. I signed up to walk to the North Pole with Paul and it was wow. this amateur race and Paul ended up joining the army and dropping out. And I found two more people, these guys, Stefan Rue, and we, we put this team together. Um, and wow. we trained for two years, raising money and getting fit. Um, and then I walked to the North Pole in 2010 and that's the whole like, different story and rabbit hole to, Holy to go down you where okay where did you <laughs> we I, like, go down I need a i need a map i just want to know like where you walked from so if you put in resolute bay resolute bay yeah okay. so it's like the most northern settlement in canada um and i went to the i went to the 1996 magnetic north pole so it's about 300 miles from the actual geographic north pole yeah if you go on a map does that oh yeah here um and so yeah we walked for a week so you started at resolute bay well from there we walked for a week to the start line um whilst they assessed that we you know we wouldn't die because it's an amateur race um, the north pole holy shit where is the where the fuck is the north pole is that like above greenland or yeah it's basically up there up here yeah okay so, yeah, throw a sort of picture way. of this on for people on the podcast but okay and so yeah we did that how far is that well we did a 370 mile race pulling sledges behind us oh my god um was it cold as shit? Mm, minus 36 was the coldest we had. And talking of cold as shit, there was one interesting day <laughs> when I went out for a shit. And, you know, the rule of having a shit at the North Pole is you do it as quick as possible. Because it's just freezing. It's fucking cold and you've got to get your ass out. And yeah. You've got to take your glove off. And so oh, I, yeah. I did that and it was the coldest day we'd had. It was like really howling wind. You still got to poop. Still got to poop. Still got to poop. So I dug my little hole. I squatted down. I wiped and I looked. You know, we all look. And I was presented. <laughs> we all look. I was presented. <laughs> That's so true. With this horrific sight of uh, shit covered hand and i just, your hand yeah i the paper had blown away and i was so you couldn't numb. even feel it yeah i couldn't feel oh, the paper had gone. my god and so <laughs> so i instantly was just like you know no thoughts at all i just put it into the snow and started wiping it off yeah that's what i would probably do yeah and then of course like the slight bit of warmth in my hand melts the snow it gets wet and then you've got like a minus 60 wind chill and you know you've got minutes um until you're gonna get frost snip and frostbite in your fingers and so I had to carry on the job with this kind of numb stump of a hand and like with carry on. And it got so excruciatingly painful. Um, but I managed to finish the job oh my. and I ran in the tent and looking like I was as white as a sheet as a ghost. And I put my hand under the armpit of my teammate, Rue. And, <laughs> and he was like, what happened out there? What happened out there? And I was like, I proceeded to tell him the story. And he's like, fuck you, man. Yeah, and pushed me away to the other side hands of the under his tent. armpit. Yeah. Oh my so, God. Yeah. There we go. But yeah, no, it was, um, it so was how long, the, so 300 some miles you said? Yeah. Okay. We, we, we managed to, so we had a week walking to the start line and then we did the 370 miles in, I did it in nine and a half days. The, the longest team took 18. 
Um, Not, oh, 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 do you have dogs? No, no. Wait, three. Okay. 300 miles in nine days. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So we, we would walk. How uh, many miles per day is that? Yeah. You probably know. I don't. I've never really. Really? 300 and what was it? 370 divided by nine and a half. 9.5. That's 38 miles per day. Are you running? No. So what we did. What the fuck? Is we we slept for four hours. So the, there's no, there's no darkness. So oh, it's always light. Perpetually light. So we would walk for 20. There you go, flat earthers. <laughs> right? Yep. It's always light. So we'd walk for sometimes 26, 28, 30 hours. Um, every two hours, we would stop for five minutes. How set. much are you carrying? Um, the sleds weigh about, I don't know, 80, 100 kilos. Um, but they're, you know, they're on on skis. Yeah, you're, you're right. Okay. Which is fine until you get to one of these bits where it's all like ice 80, broken up and 200 stuff. 200 kilos, that's like 200 maybe, pounds. That sounds maybe too much. Maybe like okay. 60 to 80 kilos. So like 150 pounds. Yeah. But then, you know, there was fuel for melting snow. There was all our food. Was, they were heavy. Um, I bet they were heavy. Yeah. We were eating 8,000, 10,000 calories a day as well. You had to be. I mean, you are the dogs. Yeah, we were I, the I was dogs. Like, you should have got, you should have got brought some dogs, bro. <laughs> I think we'd have got disqualified. How many people did this? Uh, there were eight teams. Did you win? We did, yeah. You fucking won? Yeah. And we, oh my God. You won this. You won. Oh my God. <laughs> we won that, won that. That's kind of wild. Um, and we You're missed really the world record. This outside <laughs> This outside game. We missed wow. the world record by two hours and 20 minutes. So close. No. So close. Would you ever do it again? And we to won try the race and, by two days. Okay. Um, to try and beat the world record? No. 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 <laughs> it's like, it's done. You did it. Yeah. It was, was it, what was harder? Was that harder or was. That was harder. But then the 30 day, 35 days you were out for alone. But I'm, you know, you're a different person as well. That, that was, yeah. that was when I was 27. I'm, I'm okay. 40, 40 now. And I think, you know, I always say like, it's cliche. We all know it. The only way you grow as a person is when you leave your comfort zone and then you live this kind of oscillation day to day in your comfort zone. And then that was like this giant stride way out here. So like, like growing my comfort zone, like blowing up this balloon, expanding, expanding, expanding it. Yeah. And then you come back into your day to day life and everything is more attainable and easier. You know, you get a 30 hour delay and you've got to lie in the airport and watch Netflix and drink beer and, and eat chips. Like, yep. right, fine. Easy. Not a problem. It's 30 hours. Like I'm, I'm not walking. I've got food. I've got shelter, water, fire, food, et cetera. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you reframe things. And so that, that adversity, that challenge equipped me very well for this, but th- that okay. was the first time I'd stepped really out of my comfort zone. That was the first time I'd push myself to my limits and it's harder, obviously the first time you do it, then it becomes easier. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Cause you, you, it's the first time and then maybe yeah. on alone, you're a little more. It's all relative, I guess. Well equipped. So yeah, we, we, I said, we didn't have to adhere to daylight. We would just walk. So some days, 20, 28, 30 hours in the end, we, you have these obligatory checkpoints every 120 miles where you've got to have a medical and stop for 12 hours. And the second one, we worked out, we were three hours in the lead and we were like, okay, we can win this thing if we just don't stop for the last 120 miles. (laughs) And so that, did you, did you do that? Yeah. Well, about 40, 40 hours into it. Okay. we were falling asleep walking. We'd like, we, our, our trainer had taught us is like the mind always gives up before the body. I don't know if you've ever heard of the rule of 40%, but this is what insurance athletes say. Like okay. when you want to stop, when you want to give up, you're at 40% of your limit. Yeah. That's the David that, Goggins. I think that's what David Goggins right. says. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's that mental giving up. You know, when next time you're jogging and you want to stop, just like tell yourself, 40%. that's my brain asking me to stop. My, my legs can still do it. Just slow down a little bit. Keep going. Yeah. And, um, and so we, we really conditioned ourselves with this, but to the point where 
I, I and my teammates fell asleep into the snow walking. We literally just would pass out. <laughs> no fucking way. You and, just fall asleep. And it got like the, for how, like were you waking each other oh, yeah, up? Yeah, you would wake up as soon as you fell. But we okay, were like, so we, like, we realized that we were starting to make so little progress that we ended up being like, what's the right, point of this? We'd seen the huskies sleeping outside the shelters every day um went in training so we we're like let's just do a husky sleep and so we all just, okay we set we set an alarm and we curled up in a ball out in the snow just for like an hour and got like an hour nap and then we carried on for another like how did you eight. feel after the hour nap did oh you feel that, like that was a huge reset do you yeah. feel so good so i mean i didn't, didn't want to quite wake up but yeah it really helped there, ha, have you heard of the lady it was really recent she just won the moab uh it's a 200 i think it's 250 mile race i don't know where it was but it's a and she did it in I think three or four days, like it's running. And, um, she, she was also fall. She talked about, she was on the Joe Rogan podcast. She talked about how she was falling asleep while she was running and she fell asleep and she fell asleep for one minute on that. Like she just fell asleep and somebody was with her and they woke her up after one minute and she thought she had napped for like an hour. And she's like, why'd you let me sleep for so long? He's like, you were out for 60 seconds. And she felt like a new person after one minute. And she's yeah, really wild. I think when you get to that point, your body just needs, it's like, no, nah, we're taking it. Like we're taking the sleep from you. Yeah. And then once it gets it, it'll let you, okay, you can push this further. Yeah. 100%. That's so crazy. We dude. were, we were all hallucinating. You know, I, I had a, we all had a fourth person that wasn't there. We saw a polar bear that wasn't there. Um, we no like, way. You could see it punching through the snow, looking for seals. We had the shotgun out. Um, you had the shotgun out because you saw yeah. a polar bear that wasn't actually there. Yeah, we're hitting our skis oh, together. Like, I've got, I'll show you the photo. We'll put it on the thing. Like, it's oh, really cool. Yeah, photo. send it to me. Okay. Um, I still think that bit of ice. Yeah, like, well, like a polar what's bear. the photo of? If it's of this stuff, this piece of ice. <laughs> oh my god, that you thought was yeah a polar bear because you got this blank canvas of of white, and your brain starts to like it starts painting with it. it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so yeah, you. It, yeah, we what is, were you like, were you afraid when you were like, did you, did you have a sense that it was a hallucination? I mean, you had the gun out. So you know, all of us were <laughs> so shouting, all of us would see it together. It's like this consensus between you the all had it. Yeah. We could all, it's so really it was one of those groups. That's interesting. Yeah. So you had one of these group hallucinations. Yeah. And we just got closer and closer and then we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> is this not a polar bear? Yeah. Wow. What kind of gun did you bring? Like a, it's a pump action shotgun sure. with a single slug bullet. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So out there for nine days, 300 and some miles pulling a fucking... How many of... Three or four of you? We're a team of three. Yeah, okay. We're the fastest mixed... We've got the world record for the fastest mixed team. Um, and then really? we were stranded at the finish line for a week waiting for a weather window. and To yeah. like leave? Yeah. Do they, they have like somewhere to like stay? Like a cabin I mean, or some tents. shit? Yeah, you we, stayed in tents? They, yeah, that was another thing. Like we got there to the finish line and they weren't... Exp- we, oh yeah, I've got to tell you this last bit of the story as well. Okay, so okay. we were set to meet, beat the world record by five hours uh, and everyone watching at home on the GPS could see like we were going to beat the world record and then we basically just stand still and everyone's like oh, at home like, what the fuck? Why go! go! You're go! so close, you're at the finish line. It must, <laughs> like this blob next to a line just doesn't move. And um, <gasps> Did they fall? What's happening? Well, yeah, so we... We had great weather most of the time and then this huge storm hit and we had these winds right into our face and we were on skis but the with, with skins on uh, to give us grip. And But then the skin, the skis were losing purchase and we're starting to slide backwards. And so we were like, okay, well, we can't move forward. We're just sliding backwards. So okay. let's put the skis onto our sleds and we'll just have to walk pulling, you know, just walk on foot. Uh-huh. Um, and so we did that, but the snow was so soft that we were sinking just like sunk. five inches every uh-huh. time. And you know, like what, how exhausting that is. It's awful. And yeah. then you do that at the walking end of walking sand. for 300 and 
you know, 65 miles. And it's, you know, wow. you're just, uh, this progress was just possibly slow. And so what was meant to take us two hours ended up taking us seven hours. So that's what took away the world record. Yeah. You'd be in Guinness right now. If it hadn't <laughs> fucking snowed at the wrong, or it had a storm at the wrong time. Yeah. And so we got wow. to, we got to the finish line and, and we had to wake these people up who were there like manning the finish line. They're like, yeah, well done. We've put a tent up, get in there. There's a, the storm's getting worse. We're like, okay, very unceremonious. I think they yeah. made us a bacon sandwich and a hot chocolate. Okay. And, um, and so I got into this tent. We fell into the deepest sleep of our lives. Just like, oh my God, you know, it's the best sleep you're ever going to have. Yeah. And then about two hours later, some guy grabs me by the shoulder and starts waking me up. He's like, get up, get up. It's like some horrible army drill. Get up. The tent's beginning to rise at the corners. We need you outside to find the guy lines. I was like, shut up. No, 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 no. And so they got us up. I don't, to this day, like, why couldn't the two of them done it themselves? I think there's no way. Yeah. They got us outside. Were they just like incompetent? Like they didn't know know how? They just wanted more help. I I don't know. They thought it was a high risk situation. And you were tired as shit. You were super tired. I think I must have like told them to fuck off a hundred times until I got out of my sleeping bag. Really? Because it's minus 25 inside that tent as well. You're you're in these amazing sleeping bags. And so yeah, put on my like frozen boots, get out there. I was useless. I was just like, I'm just going to move my hands around (laughs) until you tell me I can go back inside. Like I'm doing something. I was, there was nothing I could do. And yeah, but that was like a bad dream, but it genuinely happened anyway. Yeah. It sounds like one of those things that didn't actually happen. It was just like a shitty dream, but no, it did happen. Yeah. So have you ever thought about like climbing mountains? You seem like a person that be like that'd be an easy next step yeah i suppose it's a different skill set mountaineering but yeah it is totally different skill set much higher risk i'm not like i don't i still don't i think of myself as an accidental adventurer i don't think of myself as like a proper adventurer but okay i guess the resume is starting to build up that maybe i am but i you know i'm not like i'm not extreme i i still like my creature comforts i don't want to die I don't like ultra yeah. pain. Um, it is a different, yeah, there's a different, I feel like mindset when you look at those people who do the crazy, like Everest is crazy mountaineering stuff. Um, yeah, the risks a lot. One in 10 die, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. I read, uh, John Crocker, Crock, I can't say his name, John Crocker or his book or whatever of the, I think it was 1993 or 1999 disaster or some shit. But he was on it. He's the journalist. Great book. Have you read it? It's called no. um, Into the... Into the... Not Into uh, the Void. Because he's, he's the one who wrote Into the Wild. Okay. Right, which is a fantastic book. Um, this one's called Into Thin Air. Hmm. Into Thin Air. And uh, he was on the journey and like half, the, half of his crew died. It's fucking crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's such... Like we... We try to pretend like it's not like we have, you know, oxygen tanks and all these different things to like, oh, anyone can do it. But dude, it's not. No, if it decides to kill you, you're dead. Like it's a crazy Everest is crazy. Yeah. And I think, you know, Everest, Everest isn't cool anymore. No, it's not. Right. Like, Like, oh, it's just egoically chest beating 50 grand it is it's not yeah that's if you, 50 grand is that what it costs so yeah oh my god yeah. and there's, I you know, there's plenty of more beautiful mountains that are five meters shorter <laughs> that you're not gonna have the cues and it's half the price but no that's you so want you want to your ego says you wanted to have done the highest mountain yeah but say. it's the highest and it's and i don't even know how they there's different ways to calculate highest mountain i think so like everest is only i think the highest by a certain specific metric i don't know how it works okay. maybe altitude probably right so if you climb one of the ones in hawaii if you go from the seabed it's higher right <laughs> yeah exactly just start super super just starting high. at sea level. yeah start at sea exactly well you go further potentially yeah start exactly from the mantle yep exactly because <laughs> I, I think everest is just highest by altitude like yeah. it just goes the highest but it's not necessarily 
the longest. I don't know. I could be talking. I don't fucking know. So anyway, I walked to the North Pole. Okay. You did. <laughs> Dude, you walked to the fucking North Pole. And I was 27. And then I left my job. And um, oh yeah, that's where we were. That's, that's where right. We were. Yeah. we're doing the live story. I said I'd do the Let's short go. one. We failed to do no, the short that's one. Okay. But it's okay. It's a, I don't a like podcast. the podcast. That's right. And um and then I met my wife, Eleanor, who you've met um as well around the same time. And I'll just have to share that story because it's kind of interesting. Sure. We were in Goa on the beach, and oh, I was in Goa on the beach, and then I was chatting this girl up in the bar who now is my wife, and I was okay. like, Hi, my name's Tom. I'm I'm walking to the North Pole. And <laughs> like dick. And uh, and she was like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> My uh, my boyfriend is walking to the South Pole. It's harder, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's harder. Damn it. You just got, oh, what are the chances? And she wasn't just being quick-witted and like putting me down. She was genuinely with the South Pole guy. Who's going to the South Pole? Yeah. That's crazy. And then he ended up not making it to the South Pole. She invited me to a house party um, and I ended up, uh, she, she broke up with South Pole. Because well, the night lost. before, yeah, yeah. Well, no, this is with a beautiful poetic part of the story, and not to make light of mental health problems. But okay, okay. She broke up with South Pole and got with North Pole because he was bipolar. Oh my god! <laughs> Genuinely, dude, that's a, that's a dad joke. It's just that's, it's a real that's joke. Hilarious. It was, but it's a real joke because that's really what happened. That's genuinely what. We're happened. not making fun of anything. No, it's no, no, no. Facts. He was bipolar. He was bipolar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, so I had to segue on that pathway. Yeah, and rejoin the main pathway. We but um, and so yeah, so we both wanted to uh, more adventure and to live abroad, and she was working for. Uh, Diageo, the alcohol company. Okay. And she looked online and saw there was a job in Chile. She was like, do you want to move to Chile? And I'd only been with her for like eight months. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to move to Chile. Oh, that's amazing. Never been to Chile. No, wow. Nothing about it. And so we moved to Chile. Um, I mean, there's a few other things. I sailed on a super yacht for 6,000 miles that year as well. Like I'll never have a better year than than, than, that <laughs> than year. 2010. North wow. Pole, super yacht, moved to Chile. That's but, um, amazing. Uh, 8,000 miles, sorry. And um, anyway, so moved to Chile couldn't speak any Spanish. And the only job I could get in English was working in finance, selling pensions. And so after all this cool shit, I went back to working for the man, back to the cubicle, okay. back to sales, selling pensions. Uh, yeah. In so, Chile, in right? Chile. Wow. So at least I was in Chile. Like, at least red wine was basically free. And so were steaks. And at least like we had Patagonia and, and we could go like kayaking and do cool shit. But yeah, um, the, but yeah. I was again, like unfulfilled. But and still depressed. like eight hours a day type yeah. of thing, like nine to five. Sort of. It was, 100% commission so at least I could I was in control of my a time a bit, of bit more but it was still not what you wanted to be doing. not what I wanted and I was I like I really feel that life is a not a dress rehearsal you know you get one go at this and I'm like I refuse to just settle and work for the man and do something that doesn't fulfill me I'm not mm. going to use all of these minutes of my life doing something that that leaves me unhappy how um, long did you do the finance stuff so I did that for another five six years holy shit yeah but like would you say pretty much that whole time you were like fuck this yeah. Like with the, yeah, but it was it was easy wasn't. because of the control of my own time. So I could like, I could take I could take a month off, sort of, and go and if I if I closed a good yeah. deal, I could go and do. Were you kind stuff. of like waiting though for an opportunity to not do that, like hoping, biding your time that? Yeah, and I think a, I, yeah. I think an important lesson is you can't wait for these things. You know, you've yeah. got to you've got to control your own destiny. You've got to you've got yep. to make shit come to you. So what'd you do? <laughs> so, so what'd you do? How'd I, you make shit come to you? So I I. I, as I was again, like in my cubicle, kind of mm -hmm. fantasizing of escape, I I think I was watching some documentary, uh, a nature documentary, and I all, like about the marine life in remote parts of French Polynesia. And I was like, I want to get out there. I want to see the parts of the world where we've had little influence, and I'm desperate to see that because I love I love the natural world. 
And um, I was like, I want to be marooned on a desert island. And then I started like just going down a Google rabbit hole and I found this company doing uh, island survival experiences in Belize. And I was like, okay, that's not too far from Chile. I'll go on that trip. And I went on this trip and I was like, this is kind of cool, but it could be done so much better. The guy, he's like ex-British army is a bit coarse and misogynistic. The island was infested with sand flies and it wasn't uninhabited and I could see lights on the horizon. I was like, this is not what I had in my mind. Okay. Maybe I should create what I've got in my mind. Like, and yeah. reinvent this. And so I took some of the concepts and it, like no one has original ideas really these days, but yeah. I took some of these and... I basically, I watched this show uh, called Bear Grylls the Island. I found the production manager and I found him online. I emailed him and I was like, hey, I'm looking for an island to take people to to be marooned on. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, I can help you out. He got me the pass from the municipality. Um, I put out a wow. note on Facebook and I was like, hey, does anyone want to try like this first desert island experience I'm putting together? <laughs> and like four. Four people. Yeah, four yeah. hopeful people like, like yeah, let's fine, do it. And let's they did all, all at cost price and they flew out. In fact, no, eight of us. So they, those four invited four friends and eight wow. of us went. And, you know, it was bootstrapping, flying by the seam of your pants, like everything's going to go wrong, guys. But just i just want your feedback and so you were still working yeah. while you're doing all this so it's kind of on the side like i'm gonna see if i can make this happen yeah for about yeah. a year concurrently year and a half concurrently i did desert island survival and uh, okay and pensions and the first one was just this like let's get some people you know we'll all kind of pay our own way yeah and see like what this is like yeah and yeah see, see if and what was that first what was the first one like was it it's great was it amazing really really good and yeah everyone was resoundingly um positive about it we're like dude you've got something here this is really, really special really really special this is what what we want this is what a lot of people holy want. shit and i was like yeah okay so then i started building a website it's validation like yeah, yeah it gave me that impetus and and i enjoyed it immensely um and so i started building a website and you know i knew nothing about being an entrepreneur or setting up a business and i just started like blindly building it and then like starting to i didn't even have a crm system or any of this stuff yeah like they say being an entrepreneur is like jumping off a cliff and building a jumbo jet on the way down and i was Basically, like very yeah. slowly building this <laughs> poxy <laughs> propeller plane um and and yeah like fast forward seven years now we you know we're a real business <laughs> yeah um and we do like over 20 expeditions a year around the that's world that's so crazy I've got, I've got only one full-time member of staff who does all the operations and logistics and wow. she's fantastic and then six instructors and um yeah. We, How many did you do the first year you did it? Like when you were still working finance and shit? Like, uh, did like, you, so like after that first one? Yeah, I think we did three or four. And were they like free still or were you like charging? No, yet, we, we, we were charging like, I think they're about 1,700 pounds. Okay, then, cool. Yeah. Cool. Wow. They're about 3,000. And did you just have one island at that point that you were yeah, doing? Yeah, just Panama. And then we, we added one in French Polynesia that we'd now have. I've decided it's not quite good enough. I'm very picky about it. Yeah, islands. so I want so what are like your criteria when yeah. you choose an island cuz we've we've talked about this a little bit but like there's obviously a lot of islands but not enough. And so like what are the criteria when you're looking at an island for like this can be part of desert island survival? Yeah, so well, last year we sold out and, and the bottleneck was desert islands and we were always looking to add desert islands but I refuse to like compromise on quality and I'm really picky about these islands. And yep. um so they've got to be Close enough to, uh, I guess, a tourist area that we've got a uh, airport, we've got a hotel, we've got a hospital in case of evacuation. But then they can't be too close that it just breaks this illusion of isolation that, you know, you've got tourist boats coming by and lights on the horizon and you just feel like you're in, you know, like most parts of Thailand, for example, there's nothing quite isolated enough. Um, so that's that first 
kind of zone and that you've the first box you got to tick okay and then after that it's got to be beautiful i think people want they want that stunning um, bounty advert i don't know if you get that chocolate bar in the u.s i don't um, uh, i don't think i've had what's it called know, like bounty uh-uh. but um yeah you know they want that beautiful tropical yeah. tropical island um then it's got to have sufficient resources for us to be able to run enough trips there um without us depleting it like enough coconuts and palm fronds and fish because you have to, because these people, like people are surviving there. Yeah. Right? I'll, I'll talk about what the experience okay, is in okay. a minute. Um, and then, then it's got to be safe. Like you've got to have no pirates, no pit vipers. And generally like we, we love it. Like piracy is a problem. Like in the Southern Philippines, there's so many good islands, but it's just too dangerous. There's, um, there's Islamic wow. breakaway groups. There's, there's a lot of piracy in the South China Sea still. And, yeah. That's not worth um, it. Having pirates roll up on your yeah, vacation yeah, or yeah. excursion. Yeah. And then no venomous snakes as well as one of the criteria which we that makes we sense yeah can there be other deadly stuff just yeah. why like why just snakes well the problem with venomous snakes obviously is yeah that they they, they can it can lead to death whereas yeah most scorpions there's only there's only a few scorpions and spiders which will you normally will have to have a weak heart or a disposition or be very young for it to actually kill you yeah so but like a snake will just kill you yeah a snake will just kill you so yeah we don't mess I around i fucking hate snakes so that's that's good that's yeah. good danger noodles yeah, but if they're non-venomous snakes, it's like, ah, that's fine. Yeah, they're not a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so the end, like, we've ticked all those boxes, and then it's got to be, then we've got to find who owns it, which is really hard. Like, you have, like, four or five people, like, yeah, I own it, pay me. It's like, are you sure you own it? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then it's got to be affordable. Like, in Fiji, they're like, that'll be $40,000 for the week. And we'll be like, well, that's just impossible for us. And they're used to yeah, filming Castaway and, um, and Survivor okay. and stuff. And so... So yeah. So it has to be, yeah, the price has to make sense. You have to find the owner. How do you find the owner? You just like a shitload of Googling, like trying to figure out it's, and probably calling yeah, I've, governments. I've, I don't know. It's I've managed to find a few remotely, but normally it involves going to the area and talking to people and just talking to really? people. Really? You have to, people. to actually go there and like yeah. talk to people, yeah. do detective work. Yeah. It's Holy a fun like game, yeah, island hunting. When I would guess some of these countries like maybe don't have super clean like ownership laws in terms of who actually owns the island. So yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah. my, the Australian guy who owns the island in the Philippines, he's currently going for a legal battle with a local, local. Who's uh, saying they own it. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's had it for 15 years and now they're saying, no, 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 no. That's bullshit. It's ours. Um, so he's going to have to go to courts and yeah, it's like islands are really hard to, to buy and hold on to. Wow. Have you ever thought about like buying a few? Yeah, I've, I mean, at I've this point, the business is doing I mean, well, and yeah, I mean, you know, like if you're in property and you buy an expensive property, the rental yield pro rata to the value of the property is terrible. Mm-hmm. And same with islands; like it's just okay. there, there's not a good business model there. But what I would love to do is create a charity that um, encourages people to to buy fractions of islands to then preserve them for future wilderness. So like I had oh. the idea of an NFT project where you could have 10,000 people that fractionally buy a desert island together. Okay. And instead of like posturing with a bored ape, you could have like a little symbol that shows that you are protecting wilderness through... Uh, oh, dude, that's a good idea. Yeah, that'd be nice. Like, I, like I wish, people would do wish that. we could have a social movement in protecting pristine wildernesses but maybe that's your next thing i mean that, like someone asked me what's your 10-year plan what's your legacy like, yeah, think yeah. big think big and yeah. that that would be it like to be able to save islands and to be able to preserve islands for future generations that would be that'd be really beautiful you, yeah and you've had li- islands have been such a life-changing thing for you yeah 
and they're and just they're, they're 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 such wonderful magical places and every time we're there like even on the 25th trip to the panamanian island it will give up secrets that we don't know like we'll be just having dinner one day and like turtles will pop out of the sand and start like Dude. making their way to the beach there's only a like, fifth time we noticed the phosphorescent plankton growing glowing around us when we were swimming we've come across like we found um pre-columbian um midden mounds like ruins from from the indigenous population where we found their graves we found their what? pottery fragments we found like all of the the shellfish that they'd eaten and stuff like that like, that's in the amazing yeah. like stuff no one else has ever stumbled across i, I heard rumors it was there but we okay. we found it like four years later and it was just like it, you know, i was like i'm indiana jones this is so that's cool. how it feels yeah, yeah where's that? it's there we now show every group when we go to the panama island it's um that's yeah, amazing magic, really magic so how many people are you typically bringing? I think you said 10 Yeah, it's 10, 10 guests with two instructors. On each, um, okay. And the, the experiences are designed for for anyone, really, who has just an interest in this. Like, we've had people that have never even been camping before. It's, you don't have to. You just have to have wow. the right attitude, really. Um, yeah, be excited. I've had a 78-year-old bloke from Stockport called John who's worked harder than many of the 19, 20-year-olds that have That's been on the amazing. trip. Um, and so the idea is, yeah, the first five days in the island are like survival light, where we're building up your skills and your confidence and we're... Teaching you, right? Teaching how to you, survive. Yeah. yeah. And so you're sleeping in an expedition hammock, which are really comfy with built-in mosquito nets and tarps and stuff. And okay. we're feeding you all your meals. For five days, you know, we're passing around a bottle of rum in the evening and playing games. <laughs> That's fucking It's awesome. really good. And every day we're teaching shelter, water, fire, foods. You're learning okay. to make fire by friction. You're learning to weave palms to make natural cordage to make traps catch fish wow find water so while... you're getting some skills too you can take oh. home and use when you're camping or doing your own shit 100 like, yeah yeah and like uh, the other thing i'm really picky on is my instructors so okay almost all of my instructors have been on the show alone now so we've got really I've used that as a hotbed for any of the ones who are on with you yeah naomi who comes third okay. on my one is the, the guy who one comes the... second in the australian one mike is okay. now one of our instructors. Lucas from season one of the US alone is one of our instructors. That's your recruiting ground. It you is. just watch the show like, yeah, I'm going to call that guy. Yeah, I like you. I warm to you. And yeah. I'm talking to another guy, Adam, right now, who's probably going to join us too. That's amazing. And I think it helps with credibility and stuff. Um, yeah, if you're like, hey, all these people were on this survival show that you know yeah. of. Yeah. And they've got good stories around the campfire. And, oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so for five days, you're kind of learning these skills. It's a really fun time. It's survival light. And then then we kick you out the nest like people are like but i could just do this a few more days but we're like no 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 now it's the survival time and so okay. then for the final three days they basically have everything they've made so they've made their bow drill fire making kits they've okay. made their bowl their chopsticks and things like this from a coconut and we and then they get a machete a hand knife some fish hooks sat phone medikit and they go to a new part of the island either on their own or as a tribe okay um and then they have three days to put into practice their newfound skills and to survive and um that's awesome yeah and you do, know, you do longer ones like three days i feel like is it's funny like everyone always asks like yeah, yeah can, and everyone's stomach is bigger than their or appetite is bigger than their eyes or whatever the expression yeah. is. yeah and it, those three days for like five days and the five days for like three days like time warps okay. through adversity and challenge and i believe that the the german groups we're doing right now are actually five and five and you know we make made consider making some changes but generally like three days most people say is the sweet spot it feels is it just good? right because it's not too much it's enough to really feel it but you're also like god i'm so ready to get to that hotel <laughs> yeah and ready like, for a warm bath it, yeah 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 like and you know you it, we had these big YouTubers called Cara and Nate who have a big travel channel with like three and a half million subscribers and she she puts it very well she's like she's done it twice now they just came to Tonga um, 
she calls it her gratitude reset and you come back with this mm. renowned like renewed appreciation for flat surfaces and showers yeah. and air conditioning and sand free areas and yeah. food and 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 it is like you do have this shine for for several weeks or a month afterwards we're just like oh, so grateful for everything we have and what we've created around us and yeah um, i'm I, yeah i imagine you are like yeah there's one lady on the alone show talking about how She's like talking about tap water out of the tap. She's like, just turn it on, water comes out. And she's like, and there, dude, there's this one part on the show where the lady, like, she's like, I boiled it, I filtered it, and this is what it looks like. And it looks like mud water. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my, is that, was that what you were drinking too? No, Did it look like that? I don't know why. She was you know taking water there? from the edge of the bank where there was like set More silt. stuff. Yeah. So can you drink that? And if you've boiled and filled it, it's going to taste like yeah, terrible? Yeah, it's just silt. It's just silt. Ew. It's not, not bacteria or anything necessarily. You just have more, to like more chance for bacteria because it can bind to the fragments of silt and have and take more heating. But if you boil long ah, enough. Ah, so if you don't boil it enough. Fight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was like, is that what all... Because you look, I'm like, it didn't look like the water's like that. But maybe that batch was just a bad batch. I was surprised yeah, I was like, that's like nasty looking. She's like, this tastes terrible. Yeah, it looks terrible. What? It looked awful, dude. Soup. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was nasty. Um, and then just just jumping back, yep. you were saying like how it can be life changing for people. And, and I didn't create this as like transformational travel, but um, it has since transpired that it, it can be really impactful for people. For many people, it's the first time that they've ever really got off the hamster wheel of life and slowed down and stopped and look around. It's like taking off your glasses and noticing that they're smeared. You know, mm. we, we don't stop and slow down and reflect. And I think that reflection is really good for people. And I've had people who have left their job, left their partner, changed like direction in life, lost and one person. She wants to be in like 300 pounds. She's now 120 pounds and just come again. She's lost like over half her body weight. She was 300 and, pounds when she came the first time. Yeah. And she's now like lost all, she now runs marathons. No. She and it was again. triggered by. Yeah. And that's, well, it's the first wow. time she'd also ever left New Zealand. Like her friend was like, I'm doing this trip. Come with me. And Holy it just opened shit. her eyes. Like changed her life. Completely changed her life. Um, and I'm not promising it as like some panacea. No, that but I think it's a lives, natural. It's, I think it's a, na I think it's uh and, and I, and it makes you wonder too, as a person who's never done anything like that, what, like, what might you discover out there? Yeah. You know, like who, who, what, who's the, who's the core of you and like, what, yeah. who are you and what, what, what are you dealing with? You don't even know what you're dealing with. That you're going to face out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting what you, you going back to about an hour and a half ago, you were saying yeah. about things, people losing their mind on alone. And if you, if you haven't spent time kind of staring down demons or things that you haven't dealt with, you know, in today's society, anytime you have an unpleasant thought, you're just like, oh, I'll just pick up my phone and distract myself. Distract myself. And maybe when you're falling asleep, that's when, you know, that's the only quiet time we have that we ever like, are like, oh, that's keeping me awake. Um, yeah. And, and that's when you think of all the shit, right? Yeah, you're like, and, oh my God. And, and like out there, you have nowhere to hide. You have to stare down these demons and process them. And I think it's good. You know, we don't have much boredom and reflection and contemplation in our society anymore. And we need all this stuff. Like the brain needs to process and defrag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boredom is, I think, a necessary component of our lives that we're really, really missing. Yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. It's good for creativity. And yeah. You go on the Metro, like everybody just on their phone, yeah. you know, and it's like, or listening to music. I mean, people walk on headphones. In. I mean, I, I just find it because I don't, I'm not, I don't listen to music um, or ever had have headphones. And I don't know why I just, that's, I just don't. Michaela is much more like that, but I've, I'm always like, why can't, I think it's important, even if you're on the Metro and it's busy, like it's still important to like have time in your day where you're not. And I won't even pull my phone out a lot of times. I'll just sit there 
That's great. You know, people watch or, and it's a small thing, right? But, um, but it's, it's what I can do with the city life I'm living, you know, yeah, like that's mindful. That's nice. It's important, I think, to have time. Um, otherwise then when things start to really break down, you're not mentally capable of dealing with it. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. And it's a huge freak out. But, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like, so doing these kind of experiences promote resilience. And, oh yeah. And I think then you, you know, you're armed when the shit does hit the fan in life. You have much more resilience to deal with yeah. adversity and challenge. And the, I, I, is the boredom out there? Like when you're out there for going back to the, you winning the 35 days, is that, is the boredom like a, you said you just fished all the fucking time. As soon as I felt bored, I went fishing. Yeah. That seems, I mean, you do, I think we should, we'll show a picture of your, your, uh, Hut, your yeah. shelter. What do you call a house? Oh, it's a fucking house, <laughs> fucking mansion, dude. I'm it's, kidding, a, it's kidding, kidding. I mean, out there, you had like a log. You had a log house. You had a little log house. It's just gonna a, put the hot tub in, man. On it, you had a fireplace. Okay. You're smoking your food. That's crazy. You did have a fireplace, though. I did. Yeah, that was to yeah. me the most like and crazy stone flooring. I was happy with my stone flooring. I you had stone like, flooring, shing, too. shingle flooring. Oh my god, how'd you? What'd you do for the stone flooring? Oh, you I just, just like, collected loads of stone, like shingle. Okay. Um, and then spread it across the floor. And put it out. And it was, it was good possible. for like keeping it cleaner and it stops like yeah. any sparks from setting fire to the ground because the ground. Oh yeah. The worst. Did you have the fire on when you're sleeping? Like, uh, did you leave it? No, I was, okay. getting, you know, I, I lit the fire to test it was drawing on the chimney and then okay. that was it. I never even like lit my fireplace. <gasps> you never yeah. had to use it? And everything. You won. Yeah. Like oh. it, it all ended. See, that's a, that's a bummer. Well, I was really, as I said, I was really sad not to experience winter out there. I wanted to like go into the dark recesses of my mind and have to deal yeah. with that find out my limits and push myself and, and blow that balloon further you know deal with the com um go right out my comfort zone and how quick because obviously in the show like everything's edited but how quick like they land they so they call you how long till they get there after they call and say you won they said you've got one hour say goodbye to your land yeah. one hour and then they just come get you and you're out yeah and the helicopter was there no fucking was, way yeah it was really jarring that's um, that's got to be jarring and it looked jarring like when like when you're like on the helicopter kind of wave i just felt like i mean i know you and we've talked about it before i watched it so there's that but i just sensed like a melancholiness about having to leave it's yeah, like i felt fuck, such a the amount of work i just put land. in there yeah yeah and now it's just back to like okay it's the 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 gig is up yeah like okay you won and it's i and I, I spent like a lot of time mentally creating mental fortitude of i am going to be here 60 days this is my mission 60 days 60 days at least it was too and then, easy and then i'm like like i in my mind there was this hill and i just got to the top okay. and i was four days on the other side and i was coming down the other side and i was slowly on the way down to okay day 60 and and yeah suddenly it was done and it was really hard to adjust and make that kind of shift in my brain it has to be it's almost like they should have like a little a few days to let you <laughs> yeah, well, accept that you're leaving i don't know interestingly the person before quit on day 32 so they actually did leave me there for two days until they told me i won um but okay. i didn't know i'm still rationing my yeah food. maybe they should have like told you you won and then say hey you have a couple days though would that be better i don't know i, I mean i would have been dining like a king because as soon as they told me i'd won i started like boiling all my fish and be like right i can quickly eat like a king oh, oh even though i was that, about to be fed when in I that one hour yeah oh, i started like okay. cooking up fish 
<laughs> that makes sense. Like you, might you well are still constantly out. always talking about food. Like I was still in a food deficit. I was probably burning four to five thousand calories a day and eating two thousand. Is like, it, like, what are your thoughts out there? Is it like ninety percent about food? Like, is most of your thinking towards the end? I was starting to really crave, yeah, like burgers and kebabs and filthy stuff. Like, but yeah, just anything. But also, yeah. your your mind goes to again, like, to deep recesses. Like, you start thinking about conversations from when you're fourteen years old, or like Whoa. you start to like your brain is like going through the file effects of like, can you entertain me? What have we got here? Uh, and yeah. it just, it's amazing, like how deep it goes to places that you just haven't visited in so long. Like you really, it's you like don't even plucking make out memories that you've almost completely forgotten. So I'm sure that's good for you as well. That's gotta be, because there's like subconscious stuff you don't even know is affecting who you are and how you feel. Yeah. And then it's coming to the surface and you're confronting it. Yeah. Cause like meditate, I don't meditate, but meditation is about observing your thoughts, isn't it? That's and saying, right. Right. There's a thought, let it pass, clear out. And, and you do without any of the free radicals of day-to-day -day life and just this simple existence, it becomes so much easier to observe your moods and your thoughts. Yeah. And it's, you know, just got this real clear, um, canvas and yeah. And it's, yeah. It's what's, what's the, when you, when you're in your day-to-day -day life, what's like, and for people who maybe, you know, maybe they don't have the money or they just don't have the, the means right now to go be on a fucking desert island what 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 can people do do you think in their everyday life like what would you say to somebody who's just like you know that maybe they're just barely making ends meet 100% um so that's a great question and i mean the first thing you alluded to was how you didn't use your phone on the metro i think all of us can find the time to just go and sit in the park without our phone is the critical aspect leaving i know i know a few people who say no phones at the weekend they leave the house and then they just go and be more in the moment and they're more present um, but yeah, just going and sitting in the park, observing nature. Mm -hmm. um, there's been some amazing studies of, um, like in, in Japan, they prescribe forest bathing. And there's this study in Pittsburgh in 1988 where people had their gallbladders removed and they um, half the people had a view of like a brick building. The other half had a view of nature. And 99% of people who had the view of nature uh, com were convalescing less time and they use less pain medication. And it's amazing how just a little bit of nature and slowing down and stuff can, can really be mentally beneficial for us. Um, and so, yeah, just spending a little bit more time, but then in, in nature and in the park, but there's a really good book, um, a guy called Alistair Humphreys called micro adventures. Okay. That I found very inspiring. So this is very UK centric, but you get the concept. Um, and so he, he listed like 50 micro adventures you could do in the UK with very little budget. And they're as small as like, if you lived in London, he, he took a bivy bag, which is like a waterproof sleeping bag. And he just slept up on Hampstead Heath, which is like a hill in London after work. Um, yeah. and then went back to work the next day, you know, it's like, okay, like I've got scruffy hair. I'm a bit smelly, but the, just that one day that reset of just being a little bit more out in nature, sleeping under the stars, even in central London. Mm. Um, he said, you know, amazing impact on him. And he felt brighter and better for it. Yeah. And then he does, he walked around the M25, you know, it's still horrific, but he sees deer and, you know, just the, one of the coolest ones he did is they got these tractor tires, inner tubes from, um, from like a garage. And then they went down the seven estuary, which is this big tidal estuary you've got in the UK. You know, we haven't got much wilderness compared to you guys, but even there, um, you, you get a wetsuit, you get in these tractor tires, you get a dry bag. And for three days with his friends, they just floated down this kind of estuary, camping out on beaches, wow. cooking up like boiling the bag stuff. And yeah. you know, it's a micro adventure. And yeah. just like your five day hike, like you feel immensely reset by these yep. things and you can do that with very little cash. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, even if it's as little as going, I mean, I, uh, I, in terms, I, I totally agree. The micro adventures is really smart, really interesting. I think anyone could do it and could benefit from it. And then also just the little things like 
not looking at your phone on the metro. I do one of the other things I like to do. I find walking uh, without headphones or anything, just walking for like an hour is a really, really nice way to calm yourself, kind of reset, feel good, get some movement. We're lucky in the city. Like a lot of people I speak to who move from the states are like all of our cities are made for the motor car apart from New York. Dude, and, and that's why Francisco. we that's why we moved here. That yeah. was one of the main reasons for me, maybe a little bit for Michaela, but more so for me. I was so sick of driving fucking everywhere. Yeah. And I bet you, your body feels so much better for it. Oh, dude, I feel so much better just even if like even when I'm not working out, I feel better mm. than I did because and we lived in Hawaii. Which you think of right. Hawaii is like, oh, well, you're gonna go to the beach and walk. It's still US. So everything's driving. Every there's a lot of actually really, really big people in Hawaii. Um, they eat massive portions, but as does a lot of the US. But yeah, you drive everywhere and here you walk. We're in a very and that's why we that's why we wanted to come to Europe because the streets are a lot more I mean, you can never ever walk outside and other people aren't right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> like anywhere. There's people everywhere walking. Yeah. It's just very just the way it goes. Great. It's a lot of big parks too. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'll go for a walk. I walk to Andy's school, which is from here. It's about an hour. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'll just walk. And it's an hour walk. It's chill. And I just won't bring anything. I'll just walk. And that's when I do, that's when I get my best ideas. Yeah. That's when I get my best ideas. Yeah, that's what I was saying about creativity and yep. a little bit Facing more. your demons. Yep. Super important. Um, so if people want to go on an excursion, they're like, I want to do a desert island excursion survival with Tom. Just desertislandsurvival.com, right? That's all right. Yeah, desertislandsurvival.com. Okay. On Instagram, I'm Tom Williams alone. I've just changed it to. Okay. Um, and um, and then I've started my... Because you won. So now you're like, yeah, I got to put alone in there. <laughs> and, and yeah, I just try to help people find me. And and I've started tomwilliams.tv. I'm looking at creating like an adventure club. So tomwilliams.tv yeah. is another one? Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, and there I'm, I've got like a mailing list I'm building up for an adventure club. And I'm going to, outside of just Desert Islands, I'm looking at more, um, the same way I did that bootstrapping that first Desert Island trip, looking at bootstrapping some other adventures and seeing which ones really resonate. So, What kind of adventures? So we've got a few, like, you know, like you've got Boundary Waters up in the States and, and parts of Canada where you can just get in a kayak and go for like five, 10 days down down between lakes and stuff. Yeah. Looking at doing some self-sustaining kind of bushcraft um survival trips in, in Canada, but okay. kayaking day to day. Um, I'm looking at, I was just mentioning it to you, the the first desert island trip, which we're considering to do to Guinea-Bissau, yeah. a country everyone knows where it is, of course, West Africa. We knew that, we knew that. Um, so it's like this really <laughs> obscure little African country that just happens to have direct flights from Lisbon. So it's quite interesting for us. I'm well. Yeah. If you, how far out, if that works out, like what's the minimum um Time we may that do that as soon as april next year so i'm going to go in december for my first little recce okay. and then we'll, we'll do like a, a cost let me know because yeah. that would be the one i would want to and i'll bring my buddy alec yeah. um and we'll go because that's close yeah so that's easier it should i mean well we'll see what it's like but it should be a real adventure it should be really cool hell yeah um and then um another kayak one i'm looking in the okavango delta of botswana which is like okay. this huge floodplain size of france that um you know you've got incredible wildlife and you can kayak across that um yeah basically anything that i've always wanted to do i'm trying to make into a cool kind of group group experience yeah amazing dude well go watch the show people um on channel four turn your vpn on if you're not in the uk but it might come to the us tv it sounds like yeah um and follow tom on instagram what was it again tom williams alone at tom williams alone thanks for coming on dude thank you man thanks for having me yeah